You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. encourage you to take your copy of God's Word this morning and find the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter, John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. We have been in the, in the temple and the area of the Feast of Booths for several weeks now. Jesus would not have been up there quite as many weeks as we have, but we are finishing up Jesus' discourse with the disciples and before I read the text he is standing before them proclaiming the word the truth who he is who he is where he came from what he is he came to do and then you could also say what it means to them his message never changes it's always the truth and they must receive it or not But today, as we read the text, we see that when we understand who Christ is, we find true freedom. That we may know him and that we can live a life different because of him. And that there are really two types of life. There's no gray area with the gospel. There's no mushy middle You're either following after the Lord Jesus Christ, or literally you're either following after and you're dead and you're trespassing sin, you're you're following after Satan. And as a a preacher in the world today, you you try to, the the, the temptation is in a bad way to be kind of politically correct and to kind of tone down what's going on, but do you realize that? There's only two, two options. We either love and adore and follow the Lord Jesus Christ or we either love and adore and follow after Satan. Now the world would say that that's not the case that you do what you do with the best of your ability and the best of your heart at the end of the day there's a God in heaven that understands that and based on what your desire and willingness was to do and that does sound good on a Hallmark card but it's not the truth, and it will never set you free. So let's look at John chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to read all the way to verse 59. So please take your copy of of God's Word and just follow along with me as I read. Verse 31, John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, let me go ahead and say this because I don't want to forget. Verse 30, we see that many believed in him. Here he is saying to them, you say that you have believed in him, but there's obvious that there's an intellectual belief 
but it may not be a true biblical conversion belief. So if you've read 30 and you go to 31, if you ask who he's talking to, it's an intellectual belief in who Christ is, but it's obviously not a true salvific understanding that he is their true Messiah. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him and said, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that we will become free? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, I love that, if Jesus Christ can set you free from the slave of sin then you will be free indeed. I know that you are an offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words, they find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do not, and you do what you have heard from your father. There's two fathers here. Jesus says, I've come and I've seen with my father, but yet you listen to your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. And we know that Abraham was a man of faith, and Abraham was a man that feared God, and Abraham was a man that understood what God was doing in his life. So therefore, if they were truly seeking the favor of God, as Abraham did, Jesus is saying, if you are truly seeking the things of God, you would understand what God is doing and who God had sent. You are doing the work your father did. You are doing the work your father did, they said to him. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Because you cannot bear to hear my word you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is a father of lies because I tell you the truth you do not believe me Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father And you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
The Jews said to him, Now we know that you're a demon. Abraham died as the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorified myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old and have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up the stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We are grateful that you were sent by the Father and that everything that you have spoken and continue to speak through the Spirit and the Word is of truth. And it is by that truth alone that we will ever be free. So Lord, I ask right now that you would open up the hearts and mind of everyone here today so that we may be able to bear and to hear your word and this we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ amen and amen as we think about what was taking place Jesus had been speaking words to them but yet those words are the truth of God and was God's word for them Stay where you are in chapter 8, but let me take you back a a, a few verses. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, Jesus said these words, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If. Anyone is thirsty, let them come and drink. He, he knew that they had a need and that he could fulfill that need. John 8, 12, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have, will have the light of life. I am light and darkness. Verse 21 of John 8. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. You see how narrow and a wonderful narrow message that Christ is addressing and giving? There's living water, there's light and there's dark, there's living in sin and not living in sin. There's a a line being drawn in the sand that Jesus is saying, you either are or you either are not. You're either here or you're either there. And he brings to a great conclusion this whole discourse with these words. If you 
abide in my word. This is back in verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice what that's saying there. That the word is truth. You noticed in your bulletin, I love finding stuff. And I figure if I put it on the right side of the bulletin, it, it keeps me from having to preach that much longer. And that, y'all, y'all can rejoice in that, amen? So if I feel like you're not reading on the right side, I'm going to stop doing it and just preach longer. But it's a great article I came across thinking about absolute truth. I really like the article because he uses the same example I use. He probably stole it from me. Two plus two always equals four. Never equals five. That's an absolute truth. We live in a world today where we say there's no absolute truth. How in the world can you say that Jesus Christ is the only way of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, and that if no one or if, if, if someone does not call on the name of the Lord, how can you say that person is not okay with God? I don't have to say it. Jesus said it. And yes, it may come across as a narrow, fundamental, bigoted-sounding comment that an angry Baptist may scream out. You ever met that guy? You're going to hell without Christ. That's a true statement, by the way. But what if we think about it this way? There is only one way to please the Father. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be right. There's only one group of people that are free. There's only one way to enter into a life of truth and understanding that everything is okay because of who you believe in. And that way is only found in Jesus Christ. That's not an angry message. That is a message of hope and joy and something that we should be excited about. I think we take Christianity today and it's like the college football polls. You know, this week kind of upset the apple cart. Now Georgia's just going to have to work a little harder. So we'll, we'll get in there Tuesday and somebody's going to decide this team's number one, this team number two, this team's number three, this team's number four. If this team does this, this does that. That's what we've done with Christianity. We think we're number one because we've done it. We've got number two. You're doing that. You do this and you do that. And we're objectively looking at all these things. And here's the sad part about it. We've bought into it. We no longer believe as a church in America emphatically and passionately and boldly that Jesus Christ is the only way that people are going to be set free. Because if that was the case, we'd live differently. If that was the case, we would be just as fired up about living out the gospel and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ than we are what takes place on a Saturday afternoon. Amen or oh me? He's it. Jesus is the only way. He said, my word is truth. It doesn't matter what everybody else says or what everybody else thinks or whatever we buy into 
The word is truth. Secondly, this is a little info before we get going. If you believe that it is the truth, then you must abide in the truth. I love that word abide. I don't know when I read this. Many years ago when I was first pastoring, I read this. And it was talking about abiding. And it said abiding is, this is funny, abiding is you've invited your in-laws over for the holidays. And you notice they get out of the car and they don't have luggage. They brought trunks with them. Now, when I read this, I was living in Indiana, and our family used to come up for the holidays. And I, when I first read it, I remember what it would look like to see like a moving van in your in-law. And I love my in-law, but it doesn't matter. Anybody, any of y'all could move in bringing trucks, and I'm going to cry. That word abide means to dwell permanently and long-term. The word is truth Jesus said and he said that if you believe that the word is truth and you abide and you dwell and you live in that truth you are my disciple it takes belief but it takes abiding it takes the idea that when we, were, we understand the gospel, we do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin and that if we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ, that we can die and go to heaven. I believe these facts. I believe intellectually what Christ has done for me. I believe these things. But it also conveys this abiding, but yet do I not only believe that, I am abiding in these things. I am dependent upon these things. My whole life is consumed with it. Christ died on the cross for my sin so that I might live. It's just not something that we do. It's something that we have done that radically changes our life. And then he said, if you abide in my words, then you are my disciples. As we were singing today, I kept making notes. That's why I love singing in corporate worship. I thought about those words. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone that is experiencing true freedom because of their union in relationship with Christ. We were singing a lot about the cross and, the, and freedom. True, we're talking about freedom today. A disciple is someone that has experienced true freedom because they understand their union with Christ, that Jesus is Savior and Lord. As Juliana sang, the debt has been paid. My victory is won. The Lord is my salvation. That is freedom. The debt has been paid. I owe nothing. And it's been one in Jesus Christ and I am free. It'd be like running out of the, the cell of a prison or a, a concentration camp and you realize that you have been set free and you've been set free because your debt has been paid. It has been paid in Jesus Christ and your Lord is your salvation. That's what we need to embrace this morning. That as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we abide in that belief and it consumes us and we understand and then and only then we are set free. For whatever reason, I am afraid today it's hard to determine really where, and think about it from this standpoint, it's really hard today to find the church. 
the church is the born again believers of Jesus. The, the church eternal is everyone that is saved, that has been converted, that is a child of God. It is hard today to find the church. As we look out into the world today, we see people that say that they are followers of Jesus Christ, but they don't live like freed men. They look like they're still in bondage to the things of the devil and the things that the devil wants us to be involved with. They're just in bondage, and it's just so hard because could you imagine? I go back to my grandfather. My grandfather, two of his favorite national holidays, he was a man that his number one thing was Christmas. He was a Christmas guy. But he loved the 4th of July, and he loved Veterans Day. He was a Marine in the Pacific. And I remember talking to him one day, and I've got some of his old uniforms, and, and um, I wish I could wear them, but I'm a little bit more muscular than my grandfather was. And I said, well, why didn't you keep all of them? He said, well, I kept a handful. He said, but John, at the time... You've seen so much stuff, and you've been so many places, and you've been through so many things. When, that, when, that, when, when we landed in San Francisco, all I could think about was your grandmother. And all I wanted to do was get home, so we were just throwing stuff out into the Pacific just so we wouldn't have to carry it home and put it in a taxi. He said, we were so glad to be home. That's freedom. When we live like we are freed people of who we are in Christ, that's when we understand what it is to be a disciple. That Jesus Christ did this for me and I truly do have a life that I am free. Let's go through this text and look at the comparisons and what Christ is saying to the Pharisees to get them to understand. Look at verses 33 through 36. Number one, a true disciple either lives in freedom or bondage. So a, a true believer, a true disciple lives in freedom and not bondage. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are literally, when we are not yielding to what, if we've never yielded to what Christ wants us to do in our life, if we've never been born again, if we've never repented of our sin, we are literally shackled to Satan. Now that, that's harsh, isn't it? But that's the way it is. Without Jesus, if you're not following the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not worshiping and you're loving him, Satan knows that you are worshiping him. Let me rephrase that. We would never say, well, I'm not, I'm not worshiping Satan. If you are not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan subtly is doing things in your life that he wants you to understand. If you are not supporting and loving and, and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, you're worshiping him. He is a father of lies and he is subtle with it. And we are literally in bondage to the ways of the world and Satan. Broad is the way that leads to life, death, and how many find it? Many. But the narrow message of Jesus Christ, so a true believer is not in bondage, but is in freedom. The narrow way that leads to life. That God is holy and righteous, and we are sinfully separated from God, and there's nothing. Here's what Satan tries to get us to do. Literally, we're in bondage to Satan, but in actuality, we're bondage to self. 
You know how difficult it is? D.L. Moody used to always say this. You got to get a man lost before you can get him saved. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Before you start talking about how depraved we are, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as everybody else is. You keep thinking that. We're not as bad as everybody else. We're not as bad. That's what Satan does. The father of lies wants you to understand. You're okay. You're doing just fine. That's just who you are. You just keep doing what you're doing. God wants, you know, you need to be happy and you need to, you just keep doing these things. Where freedom is, I am dead into my trespasses and sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God, what am I to do with my wretched self? Give them to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him forgive your sin. From freedom, from bondage I mean, to freedom. Now you think about our lives. We're talking about living the Christian life. Something we need to remember. This is hard for us to remember. We're passing through. I'm a, I'm a very patriotic guy. I love the military. I served in the military. I love the military. Do you know when we get to heaven there's going to be no veterans day? Do you know when we get to heaven there's not going to be one flag of any country? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to make a point with this. We're passing through. We're not going to have a 401k in heaven. We don't have sick days in heaven. We don't have days off in heaven. We don't have all these things this side of heaven. We don't have college football in heaven. I've known that Florida Gators weren't in heaven, but you know. We don't have, we don't have college football in heaven. We're just passing through all the things this side of heaven that we get so wound up on is gone. It's nothing. It's temporary. And so if that's the case, think about this. It's all temporary. Why do I get in bondage and so worked up over it? My job, my career, my popularity, my things, my well-being, my health my money, my stuff, and it's consuming it. And we're, we're, we could be free people, but we're living like we're in absolute bondage. We are absolutely free as believers, and we ought to live like free people. But yet we don't for so many reasons. We're free. Live like you. We're passing through. This is temporary, people. None of this matters unless it matters to God. And a disciple is someone that gets it. Yes, we may have concerns, and yes, we may have cares, and we may even be, have worries, but this does not matter. I am not in bondage to this world. I am free because Jesus Christ has set me free. A believer understands they live free. Secondly, verses 37 through 50, a big chunk of verses there. A true believer is a child of the Lord and not of Satan. I'm going to start using that more witnessing. You're talking to somebody and they say, well, you know, preacher, I just, you know, I kind of taking my time and not really, you know, it's a process. I'm a, I'm a believer. Oh, so you follow Satan. Well, no, I didn't say that. Well, so you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you love him and you love everything he loves. Well, no, well, then you love Satan. Next. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher, I didn't say I love Satan. No, no, if you don't love 
the Lord Jesus Christ, then who do you love? Let's start witnessing that way. Who do you love, Jesus or Satan? If you love one, you cannot love the other. If you don't love one, you do love the other. That makes no sense, but you can write it down. You can't say that, well, I'm just trying to figure this Jesus out. Okay, if you're not, you're, in, you're, you're still in bondage then. I heard a youth pastor say one time, yeah, I would, I don't, you know, youth guys, conference youth guys, who's your daddy? That's a good word. Took our youth to a youth retreat, and that was what the sermon was about. Who's your daddy? Those youth understood that. Your daddy's either Jesus or your daddy's either Satan. If you can't enjoy living for your, your father now, if I have, you know, think about being a pastor. Matt and I have a tough job. Part of our job, which is sad, is trying to convince people that say they're redeemed to live like a redeemed person. You know, here, let me, can I vent a little bit? Thank you, sir. I got clearance. Preacher, I just thought you might want to know. I'll use Matt as an excuse, so I'm not picking on anybody. Now, Matt's a member, but he's missed a few weeks. Maybe if 14 people call him and send him a note, and he said he walked by you at Walmart, and you didn't smile at him, and he may not ever come back to church again, and he saw Charlotte at Pizza Hut, and she didn't say hello to him, and Gail Odom passed him on the road on 27, and she didn't blow a horn on him. They may never come back to church. Well, dear Lord, help me trying to convince somebody that says they've been born again and bought by the blood of the Lamb just to come to church, and it's my fault. Gosh, I feel so much better. Thank you, Kim, for allowing me to say that. <laughs> Do you know how much time Matt and Joy and I spend on that? They may never come back. Yeah, it was hot. And they said you went over. <laughs> Again. I didn't hear that. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but you see the silly point of that? And so guess what the church does? I'm getting, since I'm not, not meeting next Sunday night, count this as next Sunday night. We're going to add an hour on. So this is what the church does. What do we need to do then to fix it? Let's drop our expectations. Let's, let's don't preach so hard and, and so heavy because we want people to come to church and we want people to give and we want people to be involved and we want people to do things. And so let's just do what we need to do to get people. And it's a vicious, as a pastor, the older I get, the more emphatic I get about this. If I ever get an opportunity to tell other pastors, I'm going to keep saying this, you will work yourself to death trying to please those people. And everywhere you go in ministry, the only thing that any different is their names and their faces. Lord, help us if we cannot preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, if you are a child of God, you are free and your Father is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your Father is either the Lord, your Father is God 
or Satan. We either a child of the king or a child of the deceiver, either or, narrow, broad, light, dark. It talks about a seed, we talk about children, it talks about you being a father. Notice these things that Jesus said. How we respond to his word determines our lineage. How we respond to the word of God, the gospel, his truth, determines who our father is. Notice there are five to six quick things here. Verse 37, who we respond to. I know that you are an offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. Who do we respond to? There's no words in us. We do not respond to the gospel or any aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 38, who we listen to. I speak of what I've seen to my father and you do what you have heard from your father. There's no leading of the spirit. Now here's another thing to think about. We can't expect a dead man to be alive. Lost people do what lost people do because they are lost. That's something that we miss as Christians. The lost world should never be able to respond to the gospel. The lost world, I don't expect the lost world to treat me like a nice person because they're a lost world. That's why we're here to be on mission. But a, a lost person is not going to be able to hear a word of the Spirit. There is no conviction. Their life is full of sin. Their choices are full of sin. They are who they are because of who their father is. And we're trying to convince a, a person that cannot hear the Spirit of God that this is what a Spirit-filled life looks like. And they say, I don't believe that. I listen to myself. That's a lost person talking because they cannot hear the Spirit of God. You want to check somebody's salvation, start throwing out the promises of God's Word and see how the Spirit draws them to the Word. If there is no Spirit, there is no understanding of the Word, there is no child of God. That's that simple. That's why we evangelize. That's why we preach the Gospel. It's never a biological problem or a, a, a problem of, of things of, of our order. It's always a gospel problem. A dead person will never respond to the things of the Spirit. They're incapable. Lost people don't come to church for Bible study. Lost people don't pray and read the Bible. They don't understand what the deal is. You ever talk to that person at work that never goes to church and never does? They don't understand it. Why? They can't hear. There's no spirit within them. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, if you were your father, you would love me. If we love God, we're going to love the things that God loves. Here's a, here's a prayer. I've said this a hundred times in my life. If we love the things, that, if we love God, we're going to love the things that God loves. Now that's simple. I like giving. You know why I like giving? Because I like God. I love corporate worship. I love coming to church. I love encouraging the saints. I love the Bible. I love songs of the faith. I love you. Why? Not because of you. Not because of me. Because I love God. And if I love God, I'm going to love the things that God loves. It's because I'm His. He's my Father. I'm His child. Who do we respond to? Who do we listen to? Who do we love? 
verses 43 and 47. Who do we understand and who do we hear? Look at verses 43. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It's that unable to hear and obey. It's that unable to, to even comprehend. Now, this is getting kind of deep theological here. Have you ever noticed how you pray for a lost person? If, if, my, if I've got a neighbor that's sitting next door to me, and my neighbor, and his name is Billy Bob, God, how do we pray for Billy Bob? Lord, what do we say? Lord, what? Save them. This is what we're praying. God, open up the hearing of their understanding. Jesus said, you can't bear to hear my word. It, it doesn't matter how hard I, you're never going to bear my word because you're not mine. That's why we pray for the lost people. Lord, God, move on their heart, move on their mind as we preach the gospel to them, as we pray for them. Open up the hearing of their understanding so that they might hear from you and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what revival is. You ever notice and studied revivals? They're always birthed by praying for God to work in their midst. We pray for heal our land. We have all these prayers. We're acknowledging God must do something. And then verses 48 through 50. A true believer is a child of the Lord and not Satan because of who we respond to, listen to, love, hear, and who we honor. Who we honor. Do I honor the Lord with the way I live my life? The way Something as simple as this. I love Walmart. Walmart's my mission field. Listen to people at Walmart. Do I honor the Lord the way I treat my family and talk to my wife and treat my children? Do I, do I honor the Lord by the way I live my life out in public? Do I honor the Lord the way I treat people? Do I honor the Lord the way I serve the Lord? Do I honor the Lord with my time, talent, and treasures? I'm either honoring the Lord or I'm honoring Satan. Everything we do, we either are honoring the Lord with it or honoring Satan. There's no gray area there. I like football. You know how fired up we are because we're not standing for the national anthem? Boy, that's about everybody fired up, isn't it? Boy, I've got friends. I'm telling you, I got a friend that was a Dallas Cowboy fan. He saw Jerry Jones kneel. He burned his Dallas Cowboy jersey. Put it on Facebook. They're not going to honor my country. I'm going to burn the jersey. I could call him up today and say, Brother, I missed you in church. Well, I ain't got time. So we'll get mad because some athlete is bowing at the playing of the national anthem and the flag, and you're upset. And you claim to be a believer, and you won't honor the Lord with your presence on his house on a Sunday morning. Son, that is nothing but flat-out hypocrisy. I'll even say this. I'm on a roll today. We're more fired up about bowing on a flag in a national anthem than we are who's not even in church and they're part of our church family. Who do we honor? 
Yes, I, you know, I, I, I tell people, I, I, I got, Wade remembers this. We were, we were standing at the National Anthem at a football game a couple years ago, and Coach Council, who served in the United States Army as a Ranger, y'all know Coach Count, and I was standing there at attention at the National Anthem, and I was chewing my gum. And I was sitting there thinking about football, chewing my gum, and I felt this hot breath on the back of my neck. Private, if you don't take that gum out of your mouth when they're honoring my country, I'm going to rip it out of your throat. <laughs> I swallowed my gum right there on the spot. <laughs> we get fired up about that, don't we? And rightfully so. How do we honor the Lord Jesus Christ by our giving by our singing by our witnessing by our daily devotional life by our just living out the gospel life as bad as we get of what people have done to our flag he is our king and we should honor him and we'll close with this it's a great way to close Verses 51 and 59. Truly, truly, verse 51, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And then the Pharisees say, yeah, but Abraham saw death. There again. <laughs> You're listening to your father. Jesus said, if you were my father, from my father, you would know Abraham's alive. And it's part of the great cloud of witnesses. A true disciple will never see death. But he keeps and cherishes him. He glorifies him. He knows him. And I made some notes here. Just notice what he said. As Abraham says and would rejoice at my seeing, I rejoice because I am alive. Gosh, what simple words. If you abide in my word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what, what God has preserved from his word, if I abide in who we are, if you abide and dwell, obey, if you seek to understand more fully, if you abide in my word, you are truly, you are real, you are born again, you're a child of God, you are truly my disciple, continuous, ongoing, progressive, loving, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The chains are gone, and we live for Christ. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we do thank you so much for your word and the presence of your, the Spirit as your word has been proclaimed. And Lord, as we consider the bondage and the liberty that we have in a relationship with you, I pray that today is the day of our salvation and that we understand what it means to be yours and to truly be your disciple. Rid us of the worries and the dismays and the cares of the world. And I pray right now, Lord, open up the eyes of those that need to be saved today. Stir the hearts of those that are teetering back and forth between life 
in death. And for those that are yours, light a fire in our heart to what it means to be set free. And as we sing, let us sing in such a way that we believe every word that we have heard and every word as we sing. In Christ's name we pray.